today on the Beginner Photography Podcast. And I used to think, you know, when I was still teaching, I used to think, oh, man, like if I didn't have to teach, I would have so much time to do X, Y, Z. And now that I've been doing this for a few months full time, I just don't know where all that extra time (laughs) went because I am even more busy. You know, I'm busier than I was before. So um, thankfully, we have a lot of workflows in place. And that's really what we have, um, you know, used to kind of keep everything organized and keep our sanity. Hey guys, Raymond here from the Beginner Photography Podcast. Today we're talking about easy ways to juggle your photography along with your full-time job so that it doesn't take over your life. Well, let's get into it. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast with Raymond Hatfield, the podcast dedicated to interviewing world-class photographers to ask them the questions you want answered. Whether you want to be the world's best wedding photographer, family photographer, pet photographer, or you just want to take better photos of your kids growing up, we will get you to start taking better photos today. Here with you as always, husband, father, home brewer, LA Dodger fan, and award-winning Indianapolis wedding photographer, Raymond Hatfield. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and tuning into this week's episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. We got a great one in store for you today. But first, we I want to talk about something um, that happened this week, right? So as, as a photographer, I've been shooting professionally for um, almost four years now, right? Um, and I've kind of gotten to this point to where I feel like I know what I'm doing, right? i have a pretty good idea of how to market myself. I have a pretty good, like, I I feel like I can show up to any engagement session or a wedding portrait session and then just nail it. You know what I mean? Just like, all right, yeah, we got it. Like, I know what it takes to get the photos that the clients are going to want. Well, last week I had, uh, I sat down with another local photographer who was telling me about um, this new system that she was using for posing her couples. And it sounded really interesting. The idea behind it is that you don't pose your couples and that you simply give them directions. You give them a task to do, or you ask them questions to bring up a certain emotion or response that you want to, to get a fun, um, an easygoing photo, right? Right away. I knew that that is exactly how I want my sessions to go. The reason why I switched from Canon to Fuji was so that I could get more genuine responses from my couples. So that whenever they saw my camera, they they didn't feel camera aware and feel like they had to put on some sort of cheesy smile. I really want that genuine interaction. So I asked her a few more questions and I decided, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot on my next, next engagement session. And today was that day. I went out on an engagement session today, asked these asked some very particular questions and played some very easy games with these couples or with this couple rather. And oh my goodness, not only was this couple so much fun to be around and just like pretty relaxed in general. When I first showed up, they told me they're like, you know, we're really worried because I have a horrible, like, like, like 
uh, photo smile and I said, oh, don't worry about it because today we're going to take care of that for you. And uh, I really want to try out something new and we did. And sure enough, I nailed it, guys. I absolutely nailed it. And it felt so fun. So like there was like this new breath of air that was that was, you know, um, thrust into photography for me with with this because suddenly it wasn't like okay how can i pose these like how can i you know okay i'm gonna have her stand in front of him and you know just just reach around her and just like you know kiss her on the forehead suddenly it felt like very mechanical right like okay man stands here woman stands here he does this and then they kiss and it, it just didn't have a lot of life into it right occasionally i'd get some some good photos uh, i actually I'd like to think more often than not, I got some really good photos. But today, I would say that my success rate went up 75%. It was incredible. So I had to share it. I'm excited, hoping to um, uh, fill everybody in a little bit more on some of the details later on. But right now, I have to perfect this before I talk about it any more. So that was exciting. Next up, so one thing that I really want to do is kind of introduce a lot of people to each other. And I've decided that I'm going to start doing that through reviews, iTunes reviews in particular, okay? This review comes from Chasing Amber 35. So Chasing Amber and I, Amber, have uh, been talking a little bit on Facebook because she just bought a Fuji X70. And I hate to say that I was the main reason why she bought it, but regardless, she's really enjoying it. So her review is, here goes. First of all, it's a five-star review. Thank you, Amber. I really appreciate that. As in, she couldn't give me any more stars if she wanted to. Five stars. But, you know, know. I'm pretty good. Anyway, she says, It's worth it to start from the beginning and listen to all of the podcasts. Great guests, all kinds of topics from beginners and seasoned photographers alike. Raymond is also super responsive and will answer questions you ask through the virtual world. Excellent resource. Amber, right on. That's exactly what I wanted. And you hit on that perfectly, is that I want the podcast to be a resource. I don't just want this to be something that you passively listen to. I want you to grow from the information that you learn through the podcast. Amber is definitely doing that. She's taking things that she hears and implementing them into her photography. She's growing. That's the point of this podcast. Amber, you're killing it. Thank you so much for that five-star review on iTunes. Guys, that's all I'm going to talk about. We're going to get into this episode. Super excited. I know that a lot of you are working full-time jobs. Maybe you want to become a full-time photographer. Maybe you don't. Maybe you really like the benefits that your job has, and there's nothing wrong with that. So if you decide, hey, maybe I'm going to make a few dollars off of photography, you really need some systems in place to ensure that you're saving a ton of time and that you're not working two full-time jobs and taking that time away from your family. So today we talk all about that. I'm super excited for this one. I know that you guys are going to get a ton of great information out of this. Right off the bat, I have to apologize once again because I totally butchered Alex's last name. I totally screwed it up. I'm human. I'm just going to leave it in. But here you go with Alex Peterson. Enjoy. Today's guest spent 14 years as a teacher before deciding to pursue her dream of becoming a wedding and newborn photographer. Today, she's also helping other photographers get better at business and blogging as she runs the very popular Facebook group, Blogging for Photographers. So today, we're talking with Alex Patterson. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
Hey, okay. I'm sorry. I have to stop. It's Peterson. Peterson. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I even okay. wrote that down the first time in the down of the end. I'm so, okay. <laughs> it's okay. At least it was early on and we can just start over. No problem. <laughs> this is not the first time that I've done this. I need to, I, I really need to proofread and stop writing all this at like midnight and stuff. I'm so sorry. The rest sorry. of it sounded great. Thank you. <laughs> Alex. Peterson. I'm going to leave that yeah. in there because I'm just going to keep this authentic. I apologize and I will admit my mistake. So Alex Peterson, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Raymond. Absolutely. Is Was all of that about right? Is there any way that you can fill us in on any of the cracks that I'm obviously you let me know that I pronounced your last name wrong. Uh, but is there <laughs> any other cracks that you can kind of fill in uh, that I left out in your intro and let us know uh, about when you got into photography? No, that was great. That was great. Yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell. Um, I was a teacher for 14 years and I started doing photography on the side uh, about seven years ago. And I had no idea it was going to turn into a business. I just started taking pictures of my friends, children, and then babies. And then somehow I ended up shooting a wedding and then I loved it. And my husband joined me and uh, it's been a wonderful adventure. So, how, well, let's even start before that. When you said that you just kind of got into photography, how did that start? Was it uh, the birth of a child? Was it, hey, I just got this camera as a gift? Or have you always had a passion for photography and just decided to pursue it at that point? So I love to travel and I've been traveling. Uh, actually, my parents are from Honduras. So I've been traveling since um, I think I was about six months old because uh, we'd always travel back to Honduras. And uh, I just fell in love with traveling and I started to do a lot of travel photography. So whenever I would travel anywhere, I'd always have a camera, obviously. And uh, that's really how I got into photography. Um, I ended up taking a course at a local community college one year because I wanted to, I had purchased an SLR and I want to learn how to use it. I was studying abroad in uh, Italy that summer and for a month. And uh, so I ended up taking that course to learn how to use the camera. And that's how I really got into travel photography. And then it just kind of evolved from there. Um, I already had, you know, the nice camera and uh, tried out some portraits with some friends. Then I, my husband and I went on a backpacking trip in uh, 2007 to uh, Central America and I decided to get a digital SLR. So I ended up with a Canon Rebel XT, I believe it was that year. And so I ended up using that camera all summer and took a lot of pictures. And um, shortly after that, I started doing a Project 365 and that really helped me grow as a photographer. So that's kind of the beginning story. That's hilarious. I also started off as my first digital SLR with the uh, Canon XT. And it was about the same year, 2007. It's so hilarious to think how long ago that was and how far we've come in photography since then. But uh, when when you talk about starting a, a Project 365, uh, I think that's interesting because uh, we've started one for the podcast as well that's been growing really well on on Instagram with our listeners. People have been enjoying it. Um, was that your way of, or I guess, um, um, where did you see the most growth out of that project 365? Was it through your creativity or was it technical skills? 
It was everything. I mean, back then, I didn't really even know how to use the buttons on the camera without looking down at what my hands were doing. I couldn't just switch my ISO or switch my f-stop or anything like that without looking down. And uh, so it really helped me become familiar with the camera itself and be familiar with all of its uses and then uh, and its features. And then after that, really, it was, yeah, the creativity and forcing me, you know, when the winters were long, because I, I ended up doing Project 365 for, for about three years until I finally stopped. Um, and the winters were tough because I live in New Jersey and it's cold and um, there wasn't always inspiration. I really had to push my creativity in order to come up with a picture for the day. And uh, it really helped. Also, I did it as a in a group. I was in a Project 365 group. It was a bunch of coworkers um, and some f- other friends and random people who heard about the project and wanted to get involved. So I had accountability, too. Um, and so I had to get it up there, how to get the picture up there that day. And so really, you know, it helped me grow in so many ways. I mean, really from still a lot, you know, I was doing a lot of still life on the boring days where I couldn't leave my house (laughs) because I'm more of a, obviously a people person taking pictures of people is what I, I, you know, would rather do. Um, but I also did a lot of landscapes, uh, whenever I had free time, I would actually go and organize little excursions so I could use my camera, you know, in different settings. Um, so it was just a, it was a great, great experience doing that and seeing my growth. I mean, I look back to the pictures from when I first started doing the project and, uh, you know, they, I could definitely see the growth throughout the three and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's what it is that you want out of, out of doing a long project like that. Uh, so yeah. when you said that you were doing it with coworkers, were those like fellow teachers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Teachers at my school, we had started to, and you know, I forget exactly how, I think I had seen somebody post a uh, project. Yes. I had seen somebody post project 365. She had been on a trip and somebody had gotten tagged in it. And so I ended up reaching out to the, one of the teachers at my school to see if she wanted to do it. And, um, and then we just got a small group going and it ended up being about a dozen people. We had a, a group on Facebook and we would all encourage each other, post our you know photos every day and encourage each other. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great, great experience. And then a lot of people made it into a book. So, few of us got together to share the, the books we had made with all the pictures. So. Whoa, that is such a great idea. Actually turning those pictures that you took into a print. That, that's mm-hmm. so rare now, but that is that is a great idea to kind of uh, uh, symbolize the time that you spent taking those photos. That's really cool. So can you talk a little bit more about uh, while you were a teacher? You said that this was about seven years ago that you that you decided to actually pursue photography. Is that right? Yes. Well, you know, I had I had started to do portraits. I started to do some portrait photography. I started to do uh, families. Really, it started with, you know, as a teacher, I had so you know much contact with women who had um, little kids at, you know, at that time. And so I started to photograph my coworkers and my friends, children. And um, yeah, that's really how it all started like that. And it just slowly evolved, just like, you know, one person hears from another person or they see the photos. Um, I actually ended up starting a blog right away, which is one of the smartest things I've done for my business. Um, so I started a blog even before I had established my LLC. Wow. And I started posting my images, not knowing it was going to go anywhere, but I just wanted to share my images and, and people wanted to see them. And, um, you know, it was encouraging. I had a little bit of a photography community through the Project 365. So they were always super supportive. And 
I think that's really what pushed me to keep on uh, posting my work online and, and, you know, posting them on this blog, even if I didn't really have any blog readers. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you were still doing it for the right reasons, right? When a lot of people blog, like me, I'll j take me for example, I'm the perfect example of this. The only reason why I blog is because I know that I should be blogging, right? I don't actually enjoy blogging, which it sounds like you do. You enjoyed sharing those photos, hoping to get a little feedback out of them. But for me, I just, I think that it's a tedious task. I'm, I know that it's necessary, but it's one of those necessary evils that I just absolutely hate to do. And you have kind of um, made a name for yourself about how well you blog and about how photographers can blog to, I guess, grow their own businesses or grow their own followings or websites. So you said that you started a blog before you were even formally a business, which I think is so cool. Because again, like I said, I wouldn't have started it if I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. um, so did you see any sort of growth come from blogging uh, before? Was it the growth of the blog that made you think, hey, maybe I should take a take a stab at this whole photography thing? As, Absolutely. As a career. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I first started blogging, um, I was really just posting uh, a handful of images, not a lot of texts, really, just like a couple of sentences here and there. And then, um, unfortunately, I don't have the blog stats from back then because I made that mistake that I didn't link it up to Google Analytics back then. So I don't have any of those stats, which um, is really too bad because I would love to see, you know, exactly how many people were tuning in back then. But <laughs> right. it was enough for me to start getting a lot of business from and I was getting a lot of uh, referrals from friends of family and everything like that. So um, so definitely the blog had a big part in it because that's I didn't even have a website. I just had, a, you know, the blog and that was really the only way I was showcasing work. And I would post to Facebook as well. And back then, I think most of the followers were seeing my pictures, um, even though, you know, I didn't have that many followers. But I think it, the algorithm hadn't, hadn't kicked in back then. Right. So um so, yeah, so definitely the blog growth um, helped me realize that, yeah, this could be something because, um, you know, it's just it just evolved. Um, I, I just honestly like it just happened so fast. <laughs> like I think back and it's hard to believe that it's been that long since, you know, that first blog post. Um because it does go quickly. And as soon as you start putting work out there and people start appreciating it and, and you're getting referrals from it and um, and people are, you know, actually wanting to see more of your work and you're getting inquiries from it. It's um, it just grows into something, you know, evolves into something that, yeah, you have to where you have to make a decision. You know, what am I going to do with this? Because I couldn't just be doing, you know, free sessions for friends and family. Um, and I couldn't just be charging in the beginning. Like when I first started charging, I was charging 60 bucks for a session. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I couldn't keep doing that either. And I wanted That's to buy more point. equipment yeah. and more gear, you know, so I had a, I had to make a decision then. Um, so kind of walk me yeah. through that. What, what was it? What you obviously had a career that was, um, um, s sustainable as a teacher and, and now you have this blog that's starting to take off with your photos and people are really appreciating them. And you obviously love photography. So at what point did you say to yourself, you know what, maybe I'm going to give up on this whole teaching thing that I've spent so long on that I went to school for that I've, you know, worked really hard to get to this point. Maybe I'm just going to give this up and try something crazy that I've never done before.
Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step, and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. It actually took me a long time to get there. Um, we ended up shooting, our first year we ended up shooting uh, that we started doing weddings for weddings. And then um, it, it, we got married two years after that and we had taken the whole summer off to travel. And so that kind of slowed us down a little bit because we didn't book that many weddings that year. I think that if we had been available that summer, um, we would have grown a little bit faster. So it kind of slowed us down. And, and so that's why I think I didn't think right away about making it into a business. Um, well, into leaving, I should say it was already a business at that point, but I didn't think about going full time at that point. Um, I really didn't think about going full time until my husband suggested it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, it really wasn't, it didn't come from me. It really came from him. Um, and that happened, um, I think at the start of the school year of 2004. 15. But I think I started, maybe we had that conversation maybe early in 2015. And then at the start of the school year in 2015, in September, that's when I decided, uh, we decided really, um, that that would be my last year. So, wow, so they gave you a whole year to look forward to like, come on, hurry up. Yes. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. You know, that was hard going into school the la you know, that last year that I taught knowing that that would be my last year. It's a little, yeah, a little crazy. But, um, but basically, you know, I started thinking about it once I really couldn't handle doing everything anymore at the level that I wanted to do it. And, you know, I didn't want to say no, we said no to a lot of weddings, um, because we just couldn't handle, you know, that many weddings. And, um, and thanks to the blog, because I, you know, I started, I was blogging a lot back then. I mean, I'm still blogging a lot, but I had already transitioned from when I first started, I was on blogger and I feel, you know, that's when I was, that was like my inexperienced time. Once I went over to WordPress in 2013 and really took blogging seriously, that's when our, our business really kicked off. Um, so 2013 to, you know, mid 2015 is when I was really growing the blog. And, um, and then that's when, yeah, I decided that this could be something that I could do full time. So and, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. What sorts of things were you doing while you were still a teacher to prepare yourself to actually go full time? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I was definitely trying to figure out what kind of how I could be more, um, you know, just market my work more to make sure that we would have or I should say continue to market our work uh, to make sure that we would be able to book weddings. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had a, the full year booked for 2017 before I actually quit my teaching job. So 
Um, so a big part of that was, um, you know, continuing to market We don't really pay for advertising. I mean, we did the, we did wedding wire maybe for a year, a few years ago, other than that, and a few Facebook ads, we really haven't, um, paid for any, you know, traditional advertising marketing. Um, so definitely to prepare, it was really about making sure that we were going to have solid bookings and that we weren't going to struggle booking weddings. Um, I do obviously do newborns as well, but the, you know, our primary, um, you know, the, the, the way we primarily make our money is, is through the weddings for of sure. Of course, of course. So if you're not paying for advertising or you're not doing much paying for advertising, would you say that most inquiries or, um, leads are coming in through your blog or are they coming in through referrals or, or how, how are you getting people to come to you? Definitely through the blog and through referrals. Those two, those are the ways, um, definitely a little bit also through Facebook and Instagram, but most of all it's through the blog, uh, through individual blog posts that are SEOed for different venues in my area and through, um, yeah, just the referrals from our past couples. That's great. That's wonderful. That's uh, that's, that's so good to hear. A lot of people are worried now about, um, I guess Facebook ads, right? They're, they're kind of upset that now they have to pay for, they're wrongly upset that they have to pay for Facebook ads, but there are other other reasons, other avenues to get leads. And it sounds like blogging has worked for you in more ways than just one of getting inquiries, but just from the beginning, having this awesome creative outlet, which is, which is really cool. I like, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So, um, I guess for the listeners who have a full-time job right now and they do want to go into photography. Maybe they haven't made the commitment right now, but let's say we'll give them the same situation that you were in. They have a year before they go full time. What sorts of things, um, where would you tell them to allocate their time? Should it be new shooting techniques, writing blogs nonstop like like you apparently? Uh, or should they be growing their social reach or should they be networking with other vendors? What What did you do and what would you do? Oh man, all of the above, right. <laughs> everything. You have to do it all. <laughs> um, but really, it all comes down to having uh, good systems in place. You have to have really good systems in place, especially you know when you're juggling a full time job. I mean, one year, 2014 for us was crazy. That year, we ended up. Um, we shot 33 weddings that year oh my and goodness. yeah, and with a full-time job, it was a little bit crazy. Um, and so really having consistent or, you know, established workflows is going to be really important. And I used to think, you know, when I was still teaching, I used to think, oh man, like if I didn't have to teach, I would have so much time to do X, Y, Z. And now that I've been doing this for a few months full time, I just don't know where all that extra time like, <laughs> went because I am even more busy. You know, I'm busier than I was before. So um, thankfully, we have a lot of workflows in place. And that's really what we have, um, you know, used to kind of keep everything organized and keep our sanity. Hey, Raymond here, and we will get back to today's show in just a moment. You know, for the past several years, I have paid for an expensive, far too expensive album design software that I didn't even love because, well, there was no other choice, to be honest. And then one day I got an email from CloudSpot, which is my client gallery system, announcing that they built an album builder in to their gallery software. What? Now, myself or my clients can build a beautiful album and have it shipped right to them. 
And on top of all that, this feature is included for free. Now, after building a few albums to test it out, I canceled my expensive, dedicated album software membership right away, and I have not looked back. CloudSpot is built by photographers for photographers, and they listen to their customers to improve their service all the time. You can join the CloudSpot family by learning more and signing up over at deliverphotos.com today. You can even build albums with a free account. How awesome is that? So sign up now over at deliverphotos.com. Now, let's go ahead and get on back to today's interview. So when you say that, when you say that you have workflows in place, I understand that obviously you operate a business um, right now. And there are things that, you know, maybe billing or invoicing or um, keeping books in order and stuff like that. But for the for the beginner who hasn't started their business yet, what do you think would be the most important um, system that they could put in place to either save them time or um, or or just what do you think would be most effective for them? I think that in the beginning, something that I didn't have that right now, I don't know how I could live without is having like a really good um, CRM, some kind of customer relationship management software that you can rely on. And that is going to allow you to be really consistent with your with your communications and your workflows so that you're delivering a consistent client experience. So um, we use 17 hats and I love 17 hats. Um I, I really didn't try any others before I signed up because I had gotten like a Black Friday deal. Right. <laughs> um, and so I it was like a two year commitment. And I said to myself, you know what? I don't have one right now. I'm using Excel sheets and Microsoft Word. So I might as well just go for it. It was a good deal. I got it and I love it. Um, so that's what I use for bringing in. I didn't always use it for leads. I actually just recently started using it for leads. Um, but I, I have been using it over a year now, I think about a year and a half, um, for just managing clients, managing emails, managing workflows. I don't use it for the bookkeeping. That's something that I might be transitioning for, for now, right now I'm just using, I use Expensify for that. Um, but it makes such a big difference having something like that to manage all of your clients. And I really didn't realize what I was missing until I actually was using it already. And, you know, you don't want to spend money. Like you want to buy lenses. You want to buy new gear. You want to buy the new flash that just came out. You don't want to spend hundreds of dollars, you know, on this software that is, you know, just not as appealing as a new 85 millimeter lens. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So, yeah, so I hesitated for a long time. And um, but that's definitely something that I would strongly suggest just because so much of your business growth is going to depend on client experience. And if each client is not getting the same exact experience throughout their time with you, then you're not going to have that consistency that you need in order to, you know, to grow. And, you know, if they refer you to somebody and you drop the ball because you weren't consistent in, in what you were doing, you know, during their experience with you, then maybe you're not going to get a referral again from that client. Um, so, and along with that, it's really about automating as many tasks as possible because, you know, you have very limited time and you really have to learn how to use your time as effectively, efficiently as possible. And if you end up leaving your full-time job, you're going to need that, those systems also, because, um, it just helps you be more productive during the day because, you know, you don't have anybody, 
to tell you, you got to work from bell to bell anymore, you know? <laughs> so, um, so definitely other, you know, other tools, I guess that I would recommend is, um, having like email canned responses, cause that's going to help also with your consistent, you know, client experience, experience. Um, Meaning like if you get a lead coming in, you have an email already typed up whether you're available or not available when you say canned response, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have canned responses for everything. So email templates, you know, some people call them email templates. Um, and yeah, it's just as soon as you get a lead, you have a, a bunch of different options with how you're going to respond. Are you available? Are you unavailable? Um, and just making sure that you are responding to all the inquiries, you know, in in a, a promptly matter uh, manner, because you know, people, people are, people look at that, you know, sometimes like I'll hear about like a, a client will tell me that a photographer hasn't, hadn't gotten back with that to them in like one or two weeks or something. And, you know, it doesn't set a good impression. And sometimes I think that might happen because, you know, people don't have the time to, you know, to respond. But if you make it, if you have an email template, then it's not going to take you very long. Um, you know, you're, probably more likely to respond right away if you've already got the response in a draft ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing is that we live in this kind of, I, I hate to say it because everybody says it, like this instant age where people want things immediately. And um, I, I mean, it's it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And there are so many metrics that come out from great uh, wedding blogs like The Knot or Wedding Wire that show how much more likely you are to book a client the faster you respond to them. So having those uh, candy mail responses or email templates are a great way to save a ton of time. So that's a great tip. Thank you very much for sharing mm -hmm. that. Yeah, and I will say, you know, just because we use templates doesn't mean we don't personalize everything. Like, you know, I have a template. It's, it's a guide for me to figure out what I'm going to what I'm going to say. But I do tweak every single one. So I'll tweak the first paragraph. I'll tweak, you know, it's usually three paragraphs for an inquiry, for example. So first paragraph I'm tweaking and the last paragraph I'm tweaking. Really, it's the stuff in the middle with all the, you know, the facts and, and the pricing and things like that. Um, that is, you know, already there for me. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, but you know, it's not just about inquiries also, it's also about responding, you know, for anything else it's for establishing timelines, it's for scheduling engagement sessions, sending them tips for, you know, how to prepare for the engagement session. It's for delivering an album, delivering a gallery. You know, I probably have about 50 templates that I use. When I talked earlier about how I am not the person who enjoys blogging, but I know its power and its relevance. I'm just, I'm not good at writing things at all. In fact, in high school, the reason why I got into like a creative field, originally it was cinematography, was because um, my teachers allowed me to um, um, submit or turn in a video rather than writing essays. And I just did that all the time. I loved it. I was, I've just never been into writing. Do you have any tips for people who may be like me, who hate to write, but know that they should, um, something to, to, to give content, I guess, to a blog. Do you have, do you have any tips for people like us? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you really need to do is figure out who you're writing to. I think it gets a lot easier once you actually know exactly who you're writing to. And that means you need to define who your ideal client is. You know, you need to know exactly who it is that you're targeting, who's going to be interested in, in the content that you're producing. And, uh, once you kind of narrow your focus a little bit and figure out, okay, you're not writing to every single person out there. You are writing to this one bride, right? Who wants a certain kind of wedding, who's looking, who has a 
specific pain point or struggle that you're going to address. Um, and I think once you, like I said, narrow your focus and figure out who that person is, that's definitely the start of just making blogging a little bit easier for you. Um, but something that I've incorporated into my workflow, um, because it is hard, you know, it's hard to come up with a blog post for a wedding. If you're shooting 30 weddings a year and you don't want all of them to sound the same. And then plus you have the 30 engagements that you did for those weddings, possibly then that's a lot of blog posts. It's a lot of stories to tell. And you can't always talk about the weather, you know, because they start sounding the same. Um, so Very something quickly. I would definitely recommend to you is to have a client questionnaire. So that's actually part of my workflow. After the engagement session, I send the couple a questionnaire, um, with just questions about them. How did they meet? Where did he propose? You know, how did, how did he or she know that, you know, um, they had found the one, uh, what they're most looking forward to on their wedding day. I mean, you can just come up with a handful of questions that you want, you know, that you want to ask them about, send it to them and they're going to send you the text. They're going to send you all the text and just all you have to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I do is I read over it and I incorporate some of that information into my introduction on the blog. And then I actually put in the questions with the responses because, you know, that's their voice. And let me tell you, like the couples love seeing those questions on the blog and the families, you know, they comment all the time. Oh, I loved their engagement blog post. And, you know, I get emails from mothers and, um, you know, brides will, 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 uh, email me and let me know, like, you know, their mom read it and her mom was crying. And I mean, <laughs> they just, they love telling their story. So really you can just, just by allowing them to tell your story, their story, um, you know, you're kind of making it easier for yourself too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a great tip. I never, I don't know why I wouldn't have thought of that, but, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought about that. And that's, that's great for engagements. Do you do the same thing for, um, weddings as well, or what sorts of different questions are you asking them uh, at that point? So I actually only ask the questions for the engagement because um, I incorporate all of that into the engagement session. But then when it comes to the wedding, I send them another questionnaire that is more about the vendors that they used and about the style of the wedding. Um, and so at that point, now I have their because they're not really talking about that anymore. Now they want to talk about their wedding at this point, you know, once it's closer to the wedding and the things that they're looking forward to, the details that they've planned and things like that. So. Um, um, but what I'll do is when I'm ready to blog the wedding, uh, the first thing that I do is pull up the text from the engagement session and I refresh my, my memory. I read the intro that I wrote, you know, a year or so before the wedding, I read all the questions and see how they met and you know, how he proposed. And I try to find something unique that I can incorporate into the wedding blog post. So I'll basically the introduction of the wedding blog post is really a summary of the engagement blog post. And then I'll throw in some details about obviously the wedding day itself. And then, um, my favorite part of the day, like that's an easy thing that you could incorporate, you know, when I really, when I'm at a loss or, or let's say I had a double header or a triple header or something. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, how can I make this sound different from yesterday's? <laughs> um, yeah. Like I think about my favorite part of the day, you know, and that always kind of, you know, brings me to think about something more unique about the day that I can mention. Genius. Uh, suddenly, to me, blogging doesn't sound anywhere near as scary good, when you have good. them <laughs> basically write your first blog post and then the second one, everybody can think of their favorite part of the wedding day. That's that's really easy. 
Exactly. Um, is there a frequency that that people should be blogging um, two times a week, three times a week? Uh, anything that you can give to to help people out? And should they only be blogging their sessions, or should, what sorts of other information can photographers be blogging? There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Um, so I think it's important to just evaluate how much time you actually have because you want to be consistent. So it's easy to say that you're going to blog three times a week. It's very easy to say that, but to actually blog three times a week is a lot of work. <laughs> so I think before, you know, deciding, you know, anything else, you really just have to be realistic with yourself and think about how much time do you really have to dedicate to blogging. Um, and then remember that it's not just about writing the blog posts, you know, it's also about promoting the blog posts. So, you know, sometimes it might be better just to blog once a week and then spend more time promoting that blog post than to write two blog posts per week, but don't spend any time promoting it or promoting, you know, either one of them. So, um, so I think that as long as you're consistent and you're publishing, you know, whatever, whenever I'm reading about this topic, I always see, you know, posting consistently on the same day each week at the same time is something that is beneficial for, you know, SEO. So, um, so I think if you were to choose, you know, one or, or two times a week to, to start out, if you're re if you really don't know if you'll be able to handle it, then just start with once a week, every Monday, 5am, there's your blog post. And then if you can handle a little bit more, then maybe you do, you know, you start doing every Monday and Wednesday, and then see how that goes. So I think as yeah, as long as you are consistent, um, then as far as like what to blog, I think that, you know, now you really have to work in this day and age, you really have to blog educational content as well. Um, you know, brides, brides don't just for, yeah, for your ideal client, really figure out who your ideal client is and blog for them. And they don't just want to see pretty pictures. You know, they also want it to know what they can do in order to get the most out of their photography or uh, photography experience. Um, and you really want to establish yourself as an expert and establish yourself as an authority on the topic. Um, so I think it's important also to educate your brides because really that's the only way that you're going to be able to improve your client experience, right. And improve, um, just, you know, also the, the types of images that you're getting, you know, if you only get 20 minutes of portrait time for a wedding and you're constantly complaining about that and, and you're disappointed, you know, wedding after wedding, well, that's probably because you haven't really educated, you know, your bride enough for her to understand that 20 minutes 
you know, to do family portraits, bridegroom portraits, bridal portraits, you know, um, and bridal party and everything is just not enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they don't know that that's not enough. So it's really just about educating, you know, the bride and, and also for the potential bride to come to your blog, um, Ben Turner said this quote once he said, uh, that you're blogging for the bride who hasn't booked you yet. And, um, and I love that because when a a bride lands on, on your blog, you definitely want her to see posts there that are relevant to her, that let you let her know that you know what you're talking about, right? And that you're somebody dependable and that you're an expert and that you care. You know, you're not just going to show up on the wedding day and take the pictures, but you're really going to give her the experience that she's looking for. So I think, yeah, just providing educational content and, you know, a nice mix of informative content as well with um, inspirational content, even maybe some entertaining content, like some little behind the scenes here and there or you know, show yourself and make, um, just kind of provide connection points with your audience so that they can connect with you in other ways so that, you know, you're not just a photographer, but you know, you are Alex and Jay. Like when we show up on a wedding day, parents know who we are. Like they know our names, you know, so you're Alex and Jay, you know, so (laughs) that's us. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing what you know now, having gone through the journey that you did, being a full-time teacher and running a full-time business as well at the same time, what would you tell yourself if you could go back in time before your husband was like, you know what, maybe we should take this thing full-time? What would I tell myself back then? Um, What would I tell myself? Gosh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Well, I think that you know, it's all about being patient (laughs) and it's very easy to want everything at the same time and, um, and to want, you know, to want all the gear at the same time and to want to book all these fabulous venues at the same time and to want, you know, these, um, just the, the type of experience, you know, that you're delivered, the ideal clients, you know, that you want your ideal client right away. And I think it's just important to be patient, you know, to know that these things are going to come if you work hard, you know, you have to work hard. But I think that, you know, if, if you are in that mindset of just being patient and working really hard and just waiting for, you know, to, to establish these, these, um, just these, you know, these things that you want to, to make happen. Um, I think that it'll come, you know, I think that I sometimes got a little bit too impatient. I wanted everything right away and, uh, <laughs> and then the I one. would overwhelm myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause it can be overwhelming. Like I wanted to do it all. And I, you know, you want to grow your following and you want to blog, you know, for everybody like, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's all about, yeah. Narrowing your focus on that part too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think definitely being patient because that has, has definitely helped me, um, just to kind of like step back and decide, okay, I'm going to focus on this because you wear so many hats as a business owner and you can't do everything. So you really do have to step back and just kind of, you know, look at the whole big picture and then figure out how are you going to prioritize things? Yeah. That, that's great. There's a lot of people who, like you said, I mean, they are impatient or maybe they'll get into photography for the wrong reason. Well, they'll just see the number signs attached to what some photographers charge for, for their services and think that's it. That's what I'm going to do. Not knowing that those photographers charging those high prices didn't start yesterday. Like They were patient and it took a long time to get there. So I think that that's great advice. So thank you very much. Uh, can you let 
everybody know, all of our listeners, where they can find you online and um, maybe share one of your favorite resources. Sure. Um, so our website is um, idaliaphotography.com. So that's idalia, I-D-A-L-I-A, photography.com. And actually, if uh, your readers, your listeners, sorry, click over to education. You're used to blogging over there. <laughs> I know, right? I know. But if they, uh, they click on education, what I did for your listeners is uh, I uploaded a little cheat sheet there of um, tools and uh, just resources in order to help them run their photography business efficiently. So it's a list of 12 tools that I use on a day-to-day basis that will help them. And I think I called it the cheat sheet for running your photography business as a side hustle. So it's really for, yeah, people who are looking to make their um, to make ever to just kind of automate as many things as possible so that they're not spending unnecessary time, you know, doing things that could be done a lot faster. I love that. And thank you. Thank you so much for putting that together for the listeners. I know that they're going to get a ton of value out of that. I'm probably going to get some value out of that. I'm going to go download <laughs> that right away. And uh, for anybody listening, I will link to any and all of uh, the links that you talked about today in the show notes as well. Oh, why don't you go ahead and mention uh, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, some of your favorite social channels as well. Yeah, Facebook, it's Adalia Photography, Instagram, Adalia Photography. And um, those are really the two that I focus on. Uh, we're on Twitter as well and Pinterest. Um, and it's Adalia Photography really all over. I think maybe on Pinterest, we're Adalia Photo. Um, but it's pretty consistent. Uh, as far as for the photographers also who are interested in blogging on Instagram, you can find me at Blogging for Photographers. And uh, I post some challenges in there to help people with, uh, you know, to figure out what's a blog on a weekly basis. Um, and then you can also join our Facebook group, which is blogging for photogs. It's, uh, it's called blogging for photographers, but the URL is facebook.com slash, um, group slash blogging for photogs, but all the links to that are right on our website. So if you go to adaliaphotography.com, click on education, you'll be able to find, um, a link to everything really. How was that? What was your biggest takeaway? That is what I want to know. What was your biggest takeaway from this episode? What are you going to implement into your photography right away? I know, like I said in the beginning, maybe you want to go full-time photographer. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to stay at your job because you like it. You know, some people love their jobs and that is cool. I Part of me wishes that I could do that and not have to worry about things about like business taxes and, you know, my own health insurance. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of downsides to running your own business as a solopreneur, I guess. But um, if, you know, if you got a job that works for you and your family, then that is awesome. But I know that you picked up on some tips on how to make your life a little bit easier when it comes to photography. And I would love to hear what they are. So head over to beginnerphotographypodcast.com to check out the show notes for this episode. It's episode 51. Go ahead and check out the link that Alex uh, gave us so that you can download her tips to success tips to running a successful photography side hustle. The coolest name ever. Go over there, download that as well. I have the links on the website, or you can just head over to her website as well. Alex, if you're listening, thank you so much for coming on. I cannot wait to hear the response from this episode because I know that it is just going to be enormous. So thank you again for everything that you shared. It was incredible. And guys, once again, I if you found any information in this episode valuable to you, I would love if you left us a review on iTunes. And I promise... 
that I will make you know what in fact if you do that leave a and if you have a website or something and you want people to check you out there leave your or e- email me leave a review and then send me an email at beginner photography podcast at gmail.com let me know that you left a review and then you know feel free to leave your 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 Facebook page or your website and I would be glad to put it in the show notes for the episode and that will really help out with SEO as well guys